many dark Alaska mornings. It's good to see the enthusiasm of coming before our, our Creator emanating from each of you. You know, I always thought it was <coughs> interesting how how God planted this in the in the darkest state in the nation. Yeah, we're we're supposed to be like a light shining on a hill. It's an internal work that's emanating from each of us. And uh, It's exciting to see that enthusiasm and hope coming forth from each of us that, that uh, you know, annihilates the darkness, the discouragement, uh, whatever it might be in the day. They wouldn't want to plague down what, what God has put within us to, to be of his expression. So... That I think we can get together out here and, and uh, again celebrate the coming together <clears throat> into His presence. Amen. We start with a good old hymn. It's good for your spirit on a Saturday morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Okay. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest dream, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking Yes. 
when you hear <clears throat> when you have brothers that can hear from the Lord for you. acutely aware that um, we well I don't <clears throat> I really don't have anything to offer ever um, unless uh, the Spirit of God is moving or saying something um, I had been thinking about a few things that Karen shared yesterday. Thought I'd get one of these composition books. So I think it's going to make a difference. It was at the dollar store, that's why I got it. I think it was a dollar twenty-five. They kind of tricked you. But, um, let me just read what I think perhaps is the greatest miraculous event in the Bible. As humans, we um, tend to be. Um, small in our thinking and as human Christians I think there's a tendency in in churches to be small in their thinking um, and I don't mean to say for any of us if um, any kind of healing occurred uh, no one's against any of that um, We pray for Kathy. It's just an obvious circumstance of life. And, you know, any one of us would, if we were anointed for that purpose, if God seemed to be doing that, I uh, would hope that beyond our human limitation, we wouldn't, you know, shrink back to pray and to lay hands or whatever it took. I, I, do, not hold, though, the, I do not hold the doctrine that it's a lack of faith. Because it's not dependent upon our faith. It's dependent upon the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God is doing. And the best thing that ever happens to us is when you and I get on page with what the Spirit of God is doing. And then we move or we say or we uh, take a step. Because we've been, all of us have had a lot of images about what the Spirit of God does. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like you read about... Sometimes you think, I just need more quiet time. Um, and I, I, I get quiet time. Um, it, like the first thing in the morning I do is get a cup of coffee and have quiet time. But then I was thinking about my father, my natural father. He got up and had a cup of coffee and had quiet time. And he had a cigarette too, with his quiet time. 
But his quiet time wasn't necessarily talking to the Lord. I don't know what he did in his quiet time. It's just that I was awakened to the thought that there isn't any particular action on my part that is really going to make this huge difference. I believe in, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit any of that. But I am really absolutely dependent on the work of the Spirit. And getting on page with the work of the Spirit. And the most exciting thing, and I think I said it at the convention, I was talking about Fabian. Uh, because Fabian came in here really beat and tired and had a lot of rough events. It was a few weeks back. I don't know how long ago. And I, I, I used your name. Sorry. Um, but somehow it ended up that he had to preach. Because he also has loving brothers that hear, hear from the Lord for him. Um, and uh, he was willing. You know, he wants to be willing. And so somehow I was struck by the Spirit. And it was struck. I wasn't. Standing in praise here, and he was just to the left of me, and I was just uh, inspired to pray for him. And, uh, you know, I pray for people, but I just was inspired to pray. I said, Lord, help my brother. He's tired. Lord, anoint him strength. I mean, I just was overwhelmed with that in the praise. So then he got up and proceeded to be very anointed and very clear and... and uh, it wasn't because of my prayer. It was because that's what the Spirit was doing. Now the greatness of the prayer for me was that God was inviting me to participate in actually what He was doing. And I would have been thankful if he was anointed, right? We're thankful when someone's anointed and the message is clear, whoever it is. I would have been thankful for that, but this was different because I was involved with it. And really that's what God wants. He wants to, there's an invitation out across the family here to participate in what he is doing. And that strengthens you. That you get involved. It's not that you created it. You didn't produce it by your prayer, and neither did I. I just got on page with what the Spirit was doing. And that's our, those are our best moments. Because our greatest warfare is really unbelief about Christ coming in His fullness here. I think that's what affliction is all about. This word, the way, at the rate I'm going, this word could take about seven minutes. <laughs> I may just bring the word and then go through all my notes with you just for, so you have some suffering. <laughs> okay, I was going to read you what I said was the greatest miracle. And the greatest miracle <clears throat> isn't uh, what you and I consider dramatic. <clears throat> events in terms of healing and those kinds of things, though I'm not negative about that, as I said. And anything that you are inspired by the Spirit, and you and I are learning to, to, to know, aren't we? I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. When I say the Lord, I, the Lord has said something to me, I always have some qualifiers. Well, why is that? Because I could be wrong. 
And you and I are learning to be able to discern what is really the Spirit saying. Because it oftentimes has no connection with any particular thought that I have in my head. Which is amazing. And <clears throat> that's why it says, seek those things that are above. What's above? It's above your capacity to be able to discern or evaluate or, or look at, define. It's above that. What is the Spirit saying? What's the Spirit speaking to the church? What is the Spirit of God communicating? So, <clears throat> anyway. So we have freedom to move on that basis. And you and I are in the, in, in the process of, of uh, being exercised to discern the Spirit. And uh, <clears throat> so anything that you are inspired to do, and you, you, you think it, you believe it's the Spirit, and you're invited to participate with the Spirit, then go ahead. And you can make a mistake, too. Because I haven't, and I don't, maybe you haven't either, perfected this <laughs> hearing of the Spirit. So it says here, and this is what I want to say, this is the, I think, the greatest miraculous event that you and I are involved in, and somewhere along we're involved with it. It says in verse 14 of Job 33, for, for God speaks once, yes, twice, yet man doesn't perceive it. Right, that's the trouble, right? That is the trouble. The lack of perception of it. And, and in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon the bed, <laughs> then he opens the ears of men and he seals their instruction. And this next verse is actually, to me, the greatest event. The greatest act of power. That he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. That is the greatest event that's going on in our lives. That he withdraws us from our purpose. Why? So we can participate in his purpose. And consequently, because of that, he hides pride from man. That is such a funny way to put it. Because I guess I gotta confess to you that I've made diligent search for pride. Where did it go? That is like the greatest deliverance. And if we could do that, if we could get a chair in the middle of the room, Somebody mentioned deliverance services. It was zeal, and, and I, I'm sure there are great things, but if we could have a deliverance service, I, I trust every single one of you would try to be first to the chair if, in fact, you were going to be totally extricated from the pride of your own life. I don't have to meditate ahead. Right? You know, if something comes out of your mouth or just even if it doesn't get that far, something in your head, you can't seem to shake it. You can't seem to shake its influence. I call that affliction. And you and I are afflicted 
with the nature of just natural. Has that been crucified? Yes. Has it been buried? Yes. What does the Bible say? Reckon it. <laughs> Dead. Okay. <clears throat> God is at work by His Spirit to withdraw us from our own direction. And that takes a lot of forms, right? And uh, to withdraw, uh, to hide pride from us. To deliver us from being moved <clears throat> by pride. Um, and, and, and this thing of our own life, pride of our own life, is, a, is the greatest work that's going on. That, and I think Karen said it yesterday. The work of God, only God can do. And you and I can't deliver, I can't deliver myself from the pride of this life. <clears throat> um, I, I got to continually be moved upon by the Spirit. One of the results of the Spirit moving on the, the folks in Acts chapter 4, we don't have to turn there, but it was the disciples had been before the Sanhedrin and they were warning them about, they, they had, this is a funny, it's funny the way it's written in the Bible, we don't have to turn there, but it's funny, they healed a man that was above 40 which seemed to be a big deal to the leaders there, like above 40. I mean, it's not just, it's a notable miracle, it says, but we can't deny that it's a notable miracle. And besides that, the man is above 40. I thought, oh yeah, boy, that's old. And it's one thing if you heal somebody under 40, but over 40, now you're talking. And so they, they just told them to stop doing what they were doing. Well, then they all gathered together and, and it says that the place shook. Um, it says the place was shaken where they were assembled. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul. Can I say, there's, it's impossible without the outpouring of the Spirit of God to be of one heart and one soul. It's just, I know we talk about it a lot. We really need to be one. Yes, we do. But it's impossible to be one outside of the influence of Spirit. Then it says this. Yeah, not just any spirit. Yeah. The multitude of them that believe were one heart, <clears throat> one soul, neither said, and this is such an interesting line. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Now, if we have come up here... <clears throat> And, and, and we try to live that way, right? And if you want to give some scriptural basis to point to people that say, why do you live this way? We say, well, the early church in Acts, you know, they had all things in common. Let me just say this. All things in common, not calling anything your own, is not a doctrine. And it's not... 
a community. We have one, and I'm thankful for it. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have noticed that even though I live in a community that has all things in common, I still call some things my own. And I find that out when my daughters take them. are my own. I'm okay until you touch what is mine. Right? My disposition. Oh, sometimes I call that my own. But it takes, I'm glad for our, the, I know the community. It's not community. I know it's not community. I'm thankful for the community that God has given us. I'm thankful for the place he's let me live the last 30 or something, seven, eight years, I don't know. <coughs> I'm thankful for all that. <clears throat> but this thing of not calling anything your own, that goes much deeper than living together. It goes into the part where you actually your heart is new. <clears throat> the influence that you live under is new. What you bring to the table is life-giving. Um, that requires the moving of the spirit in your life. That requires the connection of the Spirit in your life. That's the only way that happens. It doesn't happen any other way. And when it does happen, it's, it's a very beautiful thing here, when we see that. Uh, <clears throat> Karen said something yesterday, and I, I wanted to raise my hand and wanted her to illuminate, but <clears throat> she, I knew she was having a hard time fitting her message in, so I didn't want to interrupt her, but she said, um, uh, I can't, how did you put it, Karen? You said something about uh, each other affects the work of God in you it affects the work of God in me. It sure does, and it's a pain sometimes. And I, it was a, a I mean, the thought is that it's a beautiful thing, and it is. Well, no, not in the sense of when you look at something that's beautiful, like a landscape, in the sense of beautiful in its effect and in its necessity and in the work it produces, because the work that God is doing in, in one another really conflicts many times with what's going on in me and actually produces the, the, the hunger in my heart to reach another level of spiritual inspiration and love that comes from the Lord. Um, <clears throat> that's the, the, the workings together. And I, there's a scripture, I'll read about that maybe in a minute. But I just want to say um, this thing about the influence of spirit on our lives um, um, <clears throat> is the only thing where you get delivered where you were thrown from your purpose and, your, and pride is hidden from you, where you actually absolutely unequivocally can say, what I possess is not my own, to genuinely move into having all things in common. Why can you have all things in common? It's not about stuff. It's about a heart that has room for, for, for everyone. It's about a heart that's expanded. It's about the love of God that grows in our hearts that doesn't just evaluate and criticize and, and make analysis and hate what you see in somebody. <clears throat> and, you know, there's a term in football. 
and I'm saying this because uh, I know like Brenda Eastman loves football, my wife. Anna DeGlora loves football. I'm sure Amy DeGlora loves football. You know, a lot of you ladies love football, so. Um, and I, know I can't say I love football, but um, they call it situational football. And it's a good term because that really is what uh, has to happen here. Situation, situational Christianity, <laughs> you can say it the way you want, situational spirit, <laughs> because it's got to work in the life. Not, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping and believing about the life that is to come. The promise of God is in two ways. The life that now is and the one that's to come. I can't tell you a lot about the one to come. I mean, what does that look like? And as the, sometimes I'm so small in my thinking, the best I can think of is I could walk through the wall. And, and that's pretty cool. But honestly, I don't, like after you do it a few times, oh, it's just him walking through the wall. That guy's got to get over that. Just use the door for crying out loud. I mean, what's your point? <clears throat> so I can't tell you tons about the life that is to come. I, I know it's good, but how about the life that is now? The situational life of Christ working based upon what is going on right now. Based upon, I didn't have enough quiet time, and so I have an image that I need more quiet time. Do you remember uh, Lloyd Budlong? Some, there must be a few people, the old ones, that are, it's notable for those that are above 40. Uh, so he lived with us, Sally and Bud. And Bud was such an interesting character. He loved Henry David Thoreau. And because Henry David Thoreau was back to nature and sim simple, he always talked about simplicity. And so he always, when he, when he, Bought a place wherever it was. I think it was around Scutney or someplace. I don't know. But he built a, sh a place in the woods. Like with a roof and walls. So that he could increase his level of quiet time. And so many times I would like to say when I'm in the middle of something. Excuse me. I need to go find the shed in the woods. <clears throat> That's such a silly thought that when I get to my quiet time, then things will be different. No, the spirit of God must be working now. <clears throat> There's uh, three examples in the Bible. <clears throat> There's probably more. There's probably hundreds. But he said something about <clears throat> Caleb. What did they say about Caleb? Caleb in Numbers 14 has followed me fully. You know why? He had another spirit. That's why he followed him fully. That's why he came back with a good report. If you're constantly looking at stuff and coming back, I wonder sometimes the cloud of report that I walk around with. And I say, where did I get this? What's the source of this? <clears throat> if you don't have a good report, check the source. There was only two people that went and spied out the land and, and they came back with a good report. The other 10, right? 
They gave you the straight facts. Were those things true, small t? You better believe they were. Were they real giants? Yes. Were they, were they tall? Yes. That's, the, that's kind of the characteristic of giants. And they're big, I suppose, and strong, and we are small. We can't do this. It's impossible. Yes, yes, yes. Those things are all true, but there was something else higher. <laughs> it was another spirit. It was what the spirit was doing, and, and Caleb got in on the invitation of the spirit to participate with what the spirit was doing and the spirit was bringing them to another place and so Caleb had another spirit and that's why he had a good report and if you don't have a good report today say Lord I need the, the influence of your spirit I'm influenced yeah <clears throat> but I need the influence of your Holy Spirit now Paul uh, they were weeping on Paul before he was leaving for his journey. He was going to go, and they knew they'd never see him again. And, and he says, I don't know what's going to happen except bonds and afflictions, right? And, and I think he was, on, he was starting on his journey to Rome. That's where he dies. And, um, <clears throat> but it's the way he went. You know what it says in Acts 20, verse 22? I go bound in the Spirit. You know, that's the only way to walk through this life is I go bound in the spirit. Lord, can you, Lord here I am again. I, I, I have nothing. And uh, I need to be bound to your spirit. I need the clarity of that binding of your spirit. Okay, then the last example, and he's, you know, he's the best one, is Jesus. And because it says in... Hebrews 9, we talk about offering a lot, but it says in Hebrews 9, I think it's um, 14 or 13 or something. It said, He, through the eternal spirit, offered himself. That's the only way it works. How did he do what he did? <laughs> through the eternal spirit. There's a wonderful promise. You say, well, what about that? Well, there's a wonderful promise that's in Matthew 11, I think. or No, it's Luke 11. He goes all the way through. He said, if a man, if a, if a son asks his father for bread, will he give him a stone? You know that, that sequence of events. That whole purpose culminates in how much more so will your heavenly father give the spirit to those that ask? That's a pretty good promise. <clears throat> but... We through the, it's Hebrews 9, 14. He through the eternal spirit offered himself. That's how Jesus did what he did. How are you going to offer yourself? By the spirit. Through the spirit. You say, well, I need that. Yes. So then there's the promise that you ask for the spirit if you need it. And this is where we, the processing is, is that God must bring us to the place where we absolutely have to have it. And that's what that. Scripture in Job is all about 33. Withdrawing man from his purpose and hiding pride from man. That is quite an extraction. And that's what it takes to really seek out. What is the Spirit speaking to me? What does the Spirit want? What does the Holy Ghost uh, want to do? What is, what is He involved with today? What, is, what does He want me to participate in? In. Because I've participated in a lot of stuff and it hasn't helped. 
I participate in my own thoughts, those things that I possess calling my own. My reaction to the work of God and somebody else. There are times I get home and people, it seems this way, it's not exactly like this, right? It's over, you always overstate when you preach from the pulpit, but people line up and, and and they're not even line up from here. Sometimes it's just phone calls you get. And it's the same thing uh, where someone comes and gives you a report of the processing of another member in the fellowship. And, you know, you get an extra phone call about it. Just when you think you're done with it, you get another phone call or you get another piece of information. It can be so small, but it lodges. Have you ever had an experience with vain thoughts lodged within you? There's a Bible verse about that in Jeremiah. It says, how long will you let vain thoughts lodge within you? So let me just say this. The processing of the Spirit for us and the processing of God is to bring us to empty. And Jesus in Philippians 2, uh, he emptied himself. And, and rather than make that some cosmic event that occurred in the heavens. What does that mean? What did he have to, I, I looked it up. There's a doctrine or, of kenosis. That's a scientific word, isn't it, Ted? So <clears throat> it's emptying and it comes out of Philippians 2. And then they wanted to tell me what that was. And I read through it. It didn't help me. It just gets into debate. And about who Jesus was and who he was. I just want you to know, he walked on this earth in the way that you and I walk on this earth with situation after situation. But he did it emptied of whatever it was of himself. I don't want to argue about what that was. I just know he emptied of calling anything his own. He was emptied of any of his private interpretations of the situation. He was emptied of any of his human analysis, whatever that was, because he said, I can do nothing of myself. He walked that way. And, and that processing of God to bring us to empty, I do not have the answer, though I think I had it. I didn't really have it. And God makes it bad enough. One more phone call, one more comment, one more of whatever must occur to get me to empty. <laughs> so I say, Lord, I need your spirit to fill me. So that's part of the processing um, that you and I are in. Let me read a great scripture that fits in with what Karen said in Jeremiah 48, because there's a problem with not being empty. And I don't, being emptied is not a pleasant experience always. I guess we know that. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 48.
see. Jeremiah 48, 11. Moab has been at ease from his youth. And he's settled on his leaves. And he's not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither has he gone into captivity. And this is the result of that. Therefore, his taste remains in him and his scent is not changed. <clears throat> that is the great disaster of not being emptied, not being poured, poured out, vessel to vessel, <clears throat> not going into captivity to Christ. Your taste remains the same and your scent is not changed. And the whole purpose of God is to change you, is to change me. That's what it means when it says to hide man from his own purpose and to, I mean, to withdraw man from his own purpose and to hide pride from man. Okay, so along the way, in order to empty us, God uses affliction. And Karen mentioned Joseph, and I just want to talk about him for a minute. Um, Joseph is a, is a great example um, of affliction. But I want to, I want to define affliction related to the life of Joseph. Psalm 105. And um, because Joseph experienced a lot of difficult events. Uh, verse 17 of Psalm 105 says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. The, the greatest, the affliction... is for the promise of the Word of God to transform you whenever that's occurred. And it's occurred more than once, over and over. To the point where that actually happens. In between <laughs> is difficulty and events. But it's, be, it's for a purpose. Affliction is for a purpose. It's to get us to the point where until we're emptied enough and we say, Lord, I must have your spirit where you and I are on page with what God's purpose for us is fully. We're fully on page with that. Till the word comes. You see, what was really, it would have been a lot of people suffer. A lot of people went to prison. A lot of people were sold into slavery. Nelson and I were talking the other, you know, I read the news now with what's happening in the Middle East and, and there was some horrific event that happened and 260 people were killed. And, and I had this awful wicked thought in my head saying, well, it was only 260. And then I stopped for a minute and I think, 
260 maybe children and mothers and fathers and suffering and difficulty. I mean, what if it was one? There was a bunch of pain from one. And if you read about what, what goes on in that processing, it's awful. There's so much difficulty in this world. But the purpose of difficulty that God brings you is to get your attention to the fact that you are empty and bereft without his spirit. So that what happens in you is that there is a hunger created for the influence of spirit today, right now, in the situation. <clears throat> because there's a magnitude of suffering that people go through in this world that you and I haven't even come close to. I mean, it's not quantity of suffering. It's not quantity of pain. It's purpose. It's purpose of God to bring us someplace where we are extracted from our own purpose. The pride of our life we're hidden from. And there's a work of transformation that comes by the Spirit. That's, that's all of it. That's why, it's, that's why it all happens. I'm not belittling anything anyone goes on, anything that goes on in this room. I'm not. I can't. I'm such a. I think I was reading Sparks and he said, My cowardly heart. And I, oh man, I witnessed to that. Because sometimes it's just a three, three or four or five word sentence with not even many modifiers, just a subject and a verb, and it throws me into this world of. It's a 10-second event, and it throws me into this great consternation. Wow. But, I mean, I understand. Sometimes big things, you just you say, well, you know right away, well, it's too big for me. It's just these other things. <laughs> the things that get you so that you go off and uh, take, a, take another route. Um, but the purpose of the stuff that happens in our lives, and a lot of stuff happens, there's a lot of events. The purpose of that is to get you into the condition where you are empty and you say, Lord, I want to be fully on page with what you are doing in me. I need a refill. I need a refill of your spirit today. I know I have the spirit. Ephesians 1 says, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's there. The Spirit's there. But isn't... The Spirit... Knowing that the Spirit is there... Is good. Being on page and participating with what the Spirit is doing... Is much better. And... Seeking that out. What is the Spirit saying? What's the Spirit want to do with me? Otherwise, I'm going to be given to a bunch of discouragement. Fabian talked about that the other day when we did about um, David encouraging himself in the Lord. So, Timothy, I mean, uh, Paul exhorts Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, I think. He says, be strong. I better read it.
Someone ripped Timothy out of my Bible. There it is. Uh, thou therefore, my son, 2 Timothy 2, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness or affliction or difficulty or situations. Endure those things as a good soldier of Christ. How do you do that? You say, Lord, once again today, I need your spirit. And you need his spirit when you're being emptied. And the reason you're being emptied. Empty is not the end. The end is being filled with the spirit. Fully. The end is what it says about Jesus when he came up out of the waters of baptism. It says that the dove descended. Did Jesus have the spirit before that? Apparently. But there was a transition then because it was just before his public ministry. It says the dove descended and it remained. What that meant to me is that Jesus took, stepped into another realm where now it was 24-7 spirit infilling whatever he did. I can't describe to you what the first 30 years were all like. What did that always look like? I don't know, but it says he had to grow. It says he had to learn obedience. So I'm going to take that at face value. Like me, I have to grow into. And like me, I must learn what it is to discern the spirit, to find out. But he got to the point where it's, it's demonstrable where the spirit landed on him and stayed. And it wasn't just stayed like come and go. It was stayed like on the basis of influence in his life. There was a constancy he came into. And that's exactly what you and I are going to look for. Lord, I need the constancy of your influence by your spirit in my situations. I need the life that is now. That only comes by your spirit. So God help us that though we're being emptied, it's for a reason. So that you and I, there's no room. God's not going to share space. He wants us to come to the fullness of what it is to be filled fully with his spirit. So God help us in that. Amen. Thank you, Don. Okay. Tim, you want to close us? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word and for uh, the way that you speak to us and the way you draw us. Lord, we ask that you would be close to us and uh, watch over us.